I think that the danger with copying anybody, when you start to just copy and take someone else's thing, you don't know, one, the outcome that they're getting. You don't have clarity and you don't really have clarity into sort of the back end mechanism that drives profitability. It could be a loss leader for them. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Beasley. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Black Friday, Cyber Monday 2021 is over. And in this episode, we're going to do some hot takes on what we saw, what worked, what didn't, and the industry insights from different perspectives. So gentlemen, welcome to the show. I've got a couple data points to kick us off with, and then I'm interested in to hear your perspective. But how are you all? Everybody doing okay? Doing well. Doing great. All right, right, right. Well, let's jump into it. I have a couple different data points and insights. One bit that I saw recently was on uh, CNBC. They framed Black Friday to Cyber Monday as a digital disappointment. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Really? Oh, that's not my perspective, but whatever. So I looked at their you know, slide deck that they shared on their screen. It's data from Adobe. And they said Thanksgiving spending was flat. Black Friday spending was down 1%. November 1st through 28th spending was $99 billion globally, maybe. And then versus 2020, they said spending was up 13.6%. So Apparently, from their point of view, that's a digital disappointment. I'm not sure I agree with that. But then there's one other bit I'll share, and that's from Shopify directly. And Shopify's data was more optimistic and positive. Their commentary was that the Black Friday, Cyber Monday uh, sales were record sales. $6.3 billion flowed through the Shopify network, and that was a 23% increase in sales over 2020. So with those little bits of data, what were your guys's points of view? Do you have anything else that you saw that was a data point that you want to share or first hot takes or insights? Uh, happy to go around the table. Michael, I know you've got a data point or a document you wanted to mention as well. I don't have any massive takes on the, the day itself so much, but I think the industry trend showed up in the, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday in the UK, which is to say that in the UK, this has been a bit of a, a quieter year than last year. But then in 2020, we got up to something like 47% of retail was e-commerce in the UK last year. It's a small country and it was very locked down. So obviously we've dropped back to a mere 25%. So that would be expected really. So I think it was a demand drop. I don't think the conversions are down or anything like that. The model isn't broken. There's just more people out actually shopping in physical shops, I think is what we saw here. Yeah. All right. Anything else around the table? Kyle, Chris, what do you got? Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think that it was representative of what many people thought was going to happen with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you're going to have more retail sales, which 
that was happening in the U.S. as well. People were, were going out and buying in-store. Still less than what they were pre-pandemic, right? So there's still less people out, but it was still an uptick over, over last year. And I think what we're kind of seeing as well, just an overall trend, is that because also of the supply chain issues that we're all facing, that they've sort of expanded their buying. So a lot of times, really, the buying pressure began Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and that sort of kicked off the holiday buying season. And you saw conversion rates go up and sales go up and traffic go up. But that's sort of been extended out a little bit. So it's not so much of a focus on the best deals happening on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Those deals have started much earlier. And so some people's buying has sort of been extended out further. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing from a data perspective, too. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, they started talking about Black Friday, Cyber Monday in early November, and that was obviously an interesting trend. Chris, what, what's your first take on it or thoughts? Well, I think it's smart that people are shopping early. And yeah, I do think that the allure and like the grandiose version of Black Friday is probably behind us. People really aren't looking to stand in line in the cold and get trampled going into stores to save a few hundred dollars on TV like they used to. And that's because of the increase in digital sales, not just digital products, but just being able to buy online. And I think people frequently forget how low, low maybe isn't the right word for it, but Online sales are still just a fraction of retail sales. The majority of sales still happen at the retail level. And that's going to make for every Black Friday, Cyber Monday for the foreseeable future be record setting because it's just increasing. And as it continues to increase, it's going to be higher than the last one. Now with a pandemic year, it's going to kind of put a little bit of a of a dip in there where people aren't going out as much. And I think this year people really wanted to go out because they didn't do get to do the, the social Black Friday last year because of all the pandemic stuff. But people are still going to buy stuff. I, I don't see <laughs> in my lifetime a time where people are not going to want to spend money. They get a dopamine hit out of buying stuff for themselves and for other people. And when the retailers know that and they're like, okay, let's have special deals and, and let's put out specials and better offers, you know, people are going to take advantage of them. And I hope a lot of people did take advantage of them as consumers as well as saying, look, if I'm a seller, if I'm a retailer, if I'm an, an author, if I'm doing something or I have something for sale, take advantage of that increase in traffic, but just don't overly focus on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Just take advantage of that bump, but it's a year-round business. Yeah, totally. All right. Sorry. I'm going to ask each of you in a moment what your personal purchase of choice was that piqued your personal interest if you did any shopping over Black Friday, Cyber Monday, if that, that's a fair question, I think, and why that caught your attention or whatever, what the deal was. But then I also want to ask you about how your personal businesses did, if you did any special Black Friday to Cyber Monday promotions and or any lessons learned from them. And, and if you don't want to share the details or whatever, that's totally fine. But I do want to get that. But one other thing I'll just tee up for us as conversation is, I do wonder the extent to which the inventory uh, supply chain drama of 2021 has affected merchants' interest in putting products on sale. I'm <laughs> like, you know, like the question is if you're already stressed on inventory, do you really want to burn it down to the ground with some kind of crazy Black Friday, Cyber Monday special? I think the answer is probably no. So I'm, I'm curious on, uh, you know, your take on that part of this uh, story. And the other piece that I'm curious about is just the year over year comparisons, given the fact that last year was insanity for <laughs> volume and for online sales because of, you know, the COVID lockdowns. You would think that the comparison point would logically could even have been less. 
than last year's because how much last year was pushed to online purchasing. So any thoughts in those regards as it relates to supply chain or year over year comparisons that uh, people have? You want to go in the same order? Uh, Michael, any thoughts on that? I was going to say, yeah, I've got a quick uh, response. So has the supply chain affected merchants' interest in putting things on sale? Uh, I would say a couple of things. I mean, first of all, Cyber Monday and Black Friday used to be big talking points amongst the the seven and eight-figure sellers that I know and that I have in the mastermind. I, nobody's really talked about it this year, which is an interesting kind of litmus test. And I think the, the answer is some people are still interested in putting things on sale, but they really, really shouldn't be. They're being trained by Amazon specifically, even if they sell multi-channel, to be obsessed with unit sales velocity. And I think that's a huge mistake. And I think they should, in fact, be preserving stock and probably not putting anything on sale in many cases, because the flip side of that is one of the mastermind members who's doing, I don't know, a few million dollars a year equivalent, looked at his statistics and shared some year-on-year comparisons, 2019, 2020, and 2021 year-to-date on the Facebook group the other day. Really interesting. And he was very excited when he saw a spike in sales last year, and he couldn't explain it until he looked back at his records. And he was like, oh, I was really in stock with my best sellers. So everyone thinks about the demand side, i.e. selling more as the solution to making more sales or, God forbid, profits. But actually, it turns out often when you look at the real data, it's being in stock that means you can make sales in the first place. So it comes back to the boring old stay in stock, you know, obsession. Yeah. Kyle, what are your thoughts on supply chain and or your over your comparison stuff? Well, it, it becomes interesting, too, because if you talk to different resellers that are in the marketplace, too, they're eyeballing the fact that some of these brands are out of stock and that they can get sourced from other places or other wholesale things. And so they're actually being able to sort of fill that gap, which I think is really interesting. Now, they realize that that's not always going to be the case, particularly when Amazon is the seller of record, right? They're looking to say, when is Amazon going to be out of stock for this? And can I get it? And if I can, obviously, I want to sell it and sort of fill that gap in the marketplace while uh, everyone sort of deals with supply chain issues. So I think that's an interesting angle uh, when you talk about the supply chain. Overall, though, I mean, I we didn't do a whole lot of discounting at all over Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I think we I, I had one SKU, which I sort of ran a special on because it was trying to I had a lot of it <laughs> and I wanted to move it. And so I ran it as a sort of a top of the funnel loss leader approach because it was a good sort of sample size. It's like a little book like this. And so that was the only thing that we did. Everything else was still full price. In fact, prices went up. You know, so that's that's how I approached it. And sales were pretty much I mean, they're up a bit, you know, over that time frame from last last year as well. So, I mean, we were definitely making more money because we didn't do heavy discounting. So I think that there's something to that. I think making sure that the supply side and demand side are evenly balanced out and not to get yeah. too intoxicated by just top line sales. Kyle, I know in prior years you've participated in the lightning. Is it lightning deals you participated in? They do. Was that still something of interest to you or not so much? Have you kind of moved away from that or what was your no, thought in 2021? Yeah, no, I moved away from it a bit. I mean, there, there's still some strategic advantage to using them, but they have just become very expensive, particularly over like the Black Friday, any, any sort of holiday. Like it's not uncommon for Amazon to charge you anywhere between like, 250 to $500 just to run the deal, regardless of the outcome. You know, it's not, it's like, they're just going to say, Hey, pay us 500 bucks and we're going to put your product out there. And, uh, and plus you have to discount it like 20%. So you have to discount your product plus pay for the, the advertising to do it. So when you do the math on it, it becomes very, very challenging unless you have a lot of volume that you know you're going to do. And then, and that's a bit of a gamble as well. Cause even if you have good sales velocity for a particular product, 
if that product doesn't have really mass appeal, right? You're going to put it out there as a, as a lightning deal or one of these special deals on Amazon, and you might get a few marks or sales, but you may not even sell out the total amount that you're trying to do. So there's a little bit of strategy involved in it. I still do them, but I do them a little bit more strategically and I don't try to optimize for peak days. So, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Chris, thoughts about supply chain, lowering your, you know, your prices or raising them given your stock <laughs> on hand and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm listening to all these problems and I'm like, as a digital product yeah. seller and as a yeah. print on demand product seller, I'm like, <laughs> I'm very glad. Like I see all those boats out in the Pacific and I'm like, I, yeah. have, I have no worries. None of my stuff is there. <laughs> uh, but, but I still live in, in the real world. When COVID hit and there were some states where Amazon has their print on demand book printing facilities and they, the state actually said you can't be open. So they Amazon eventually, I don't know if they eventually actually stopped taking orders or if they had like skeleton crews, but like even, even on the print on demand books, which normally print and ship the same day. Like it's, it's amazing. I could order it today. They'll print it, ship it today. And I'll get it tomorrow if I pay for overnight shipping. It's insane. But they were having eight to 10 day lead times. They're still prime eligible once they finally shipped, but the lead times really extended on, on the print on demand products. So it's not that print on demand products are completely immune to supply chain issues. If they don't have the labor to run the machines or they don't have the supplies, the paper, the ink, the glue, all of that stuff to make the products, if it's books or if it's something else, those things are still going to be potentially impacted. I do like that, that because it's Amazon, but I, I take it back. I don't think they actually stopped taking orders, but the lead times got kind of crazy. But when it comes to like gift, like if someone can buy from Amazon and, hey, they know it's going to get there, they can give an Amazon gift receipt. Amazon's still taking that order, which means I'm still going to get paid. I'm not as worried uh, about all that stuff. But I sympathize with, with the physical product sellers who have real supply chain issues. And I think they should be strategic, just like Kyle and Michael were saying, of not running a sale. Why would I bother running a sale? I'm going to sell all these at full price. I might sell these all at over retail prices by the time Christmas comes around because there's going to be a lot of, of yeah. people who wait. They, they're not thinking ahead to be like, oh, I should shop right now. I should shop in November and get it out of the way because it's 2021. Every single time the news comes on, they're talking about supply chain mm -hmm. issues. Like this isn't a, like there was a year where I came back. I, I we typically taken a, a vacation between Thanksgiving and Christmas to avoid a lot of this stuff. And I totally planned to come back from vacation and say, look, I'm just going to buy everything from Amazon. They got free two-day shipping. I can order everything I need for Christmas on December 22nd. And that was the first time that I realized, wait a minute, prime eligibility, they will actually push stuff back if they can't ship everything on time. And that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Like, I can't get this stuff by Christmas for any amount of, of paying for shipping. And that trained me to order stuff a little bit earlier. And I think 2021 is going to train a lot of people to order early. And that might yeah. translate into 2022 where hey, like a lot of people are ordering really early because they got yep. burned last year. So it's just important to kind of keep track of, of the different types of consumers that are going to be buying early, buying late, and make sure that you have stock for all of them. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'll just share our little uh, hot take from Pixie Fair. We have a very structured Black Friday to Cyber Monday week day parting strategy we do for every, you know, every year with different discounts and deals. Uh, we iterated this year a bit and had a, a really great, great outcome. So we're thrilled about that. We we are like you, Chris, almost all digital products. So we have to be very particular about what we do and how we do it. So we have a very regimented structure and we announce ahead of time at the first part of the week, our deals for the week. We have like our own little deal sheet blog post and we turn it into a contest and it worked really well this year. So people are showing up and buying. And uh, we're really, really 
uh, grateful for that. So yeah, so from our, our vantage point in our little corner of the internet, it's a great, great, you know, Black Friday to Cyber Monday. Okay, now I want to ask you about your personal purchases. If anything caught your attention, what you bought, you don't have to share. I'll share mine first if you want. I got a screaming deal on a one-year subscription to the Wall Street Journal for $4 a month. <laughs> And so that was my that was my screaming deal. I think Kyle and I also bought a business deal, a half off Jot Forms, I think, for our uh, annualized subscription, which is a tool we use a lot in our business. And then I bought another app that was discounted a lot and as a, a study app, Bible study stuff. So those are my three purchases. So I didn't go huge. I didn't buy anything that was very expensive, but I'm interested to know if anything caught your attention and what it was and why, you know... If you want to share, whatever. I, I, I'm springing this on you guys, so feel free to yeah, decline I, the offer here. But I've got one that I thought was kind of exemplified a few useful things. So I bought, I spent a few hundred bucks on a couple of digital products, another win for digital products, two digital bundles. One was an online bundle of video courses, so bundling is an obvious way to move more stuff, and this is no exception. And then there was a set of SOPs or standard operating procedures. So in essence, I bought a ton of Google Docs and Google Sheets. <laughs> so my reflection on this, first of all, they, they discounted massively. I think it was supposed to be $97 per month, so a lot of money per year, which I definitely Definitely wouldn't have bought for a lot of Google Docs and Google Sheets down to, I don't know what it was, $97 or something, you know, once lifetime access. So if they'd done that with physical products, it would have been a massive loss. So sort of discount levels you can do with digital products really struck me as a as a sort of you know, marketer whilst I was shopping. But the second thing is the digital products were not in the value, the, the perception of, of the value for me. And the reason I was prepared to pay was not the product itself. Google documents do not excite me as products to pay for. But the perception of value was very much based on the results. And that was based in number three, in the positioning and personal branding of the person who sold them to me, used to work for Airbnb and, and PayPal, and is, I believe, uh, an SEO expert. So that had to be in place before the any kind of Cyber Monday, Black Friday, whatever, which day it was, I would have had effect. And the fourth thing is I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't done a great job of staying in touch with me and nurturing via email over maybe two years uh, since I heard about him on the podcast. And then he he pulled the, the trigger and gave me an, a really great offer and I bought. But it was an, an example of well-done marketing and yeah. a win for digital products, I thought. I was actually going to give a commentary about digital products, but I'll save it for a couple minutes here. But let's go keep going around the table. Kyle or Chris, anything that was of interest to you personally that you picked up with a screaming deal uh, in mind? We bought uh, baby stuff like <laughs> car seats and strollers because we're having a baby in uh, February. So we were looking for big stuff. We got the other screaming deal I got was also a digital product. Um but I bought more crypto because it was on a dip because the whole market went nuts with the, with the new variant news. And so I bought the nice. dip and that was my Black Friday, Cyber Monday purchase. I think anybody listening to this are thinking like, well, they're not buying TVs and laptops and, and all the, I don't know, traditional, stereotypical Black Friday deals that are, you know, front page ads and all these things. Because I'm, I'm with you guys in terms of like digital stuff and subscriptions and incredibly, incredibly boring stuff. So I, I think a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be business owners. And I hope they're thinking along these lines. I've actually got a group chat where we were sharing like deals of like, hey, if you need this for your business or, hey, this is normally this much for a yearly plan. And they've got a half off. So you might as well pick it up if you're going to use this service or this program or this app you know, for your business. And I think that's why I think a lot of people are starting to look at Black Friday and be like, yeah, I use this streaming service and 
what? It's like half off today. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'll prepay for the year and uh, take advantage of those things. That's one way you can really save money is to say like, Hey, like buy ahead when it's at a discount. It's like buying a whole bunch of toothpaste when it's on sale. So you don't have to yeah. buy a toothpaste later. It's one of the real ways that like you're actually saving money, you know, by doing this and they're going to have another sale. It's one of those things. Like we, we talked last time about how black Friday can be the worst time to run a sale because everybody's running a sale. There's so much noise. There's so much competition, but you also know, Hey, they're all going to do it. So if you're going to run a Black Friday sale and give half off on something I'm going to buy anyway, I'll take advantage of it. But because there's so much noise, having this group chat to be like, hey, what do you guys get? Hey, I just picked this up. This might be of interest to you. That kind of helped kind of filter it down to where it's not this overwhelming feeling of, oh, for Pete's sake, there's so much stuff out there. How am I going to find what I want? You know what? Forget it. Instead of like, oh, these are the things. Oh, you use that. You really recommend it. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. So you could be a little more efficient with it. But I think I'm, I'm past the days of waiting in line and, yeah. and refreshing the screen and all that stuff. It, it's too stressful, man. Like there's, yeah. there's easier yeah. ways to get deals <laughs> these days. You know, what's uh, interesting. And as I reflect on this stuff, the only big purchase I'm waiting to make and I, I went ahead and did it was I need a new iPhone. So I'm on eight. I want to go to, you know, the new one, but I'm on AT&T, but T-Mobile was offering uh a thousand dollars plus a new phone, and then I saw it was I think Verizon was offering a brand new phone, and and all these companies that aren't my company were offering these screaming deals, and so I literally said to Cinemic, "Can I switch plans?" And she was like, "Do not switch plans, <laughs> carriers." And so we got me a new phone, but I did, but I was waiting for the AT and T screaming deal, which they didn't offer, and I was like, "Dang it!" But then the other thing that is sort of a big ticket thing is that I'm trying to wait for or find is just an iPad, but. I'm not looking for a deal. I'm looking for the iPad. <laughs> like they just don't have them anywhere I'm going. Every Apple store I go to, I, I can't get them. So finally, I'm just like, okay, I'll just buy it on on the Apple site and hope I get it shipped in a timely manner. But yeah, these are real supply chain challenges. Let, let's talk about digital for a couple minutes then because everyone's mentioned the interest or intrigue in digital products, either for personal use or business use. And I think that's fascinating. As a digital seller, I mean, my pedigree, I guess, is I've been doing digital goods since September 2009, commercially online. And then before that, I was a senior vice president of marketing at a university. So literally sell a piece of paper. And so that's, I guess, the intangibles. And, and I've been in nonprofit fundraising forever. So that's intangible. But so that's my background. What I saw happen this Black Friday to Cyber Monday was a shocking degree of discounting by information marketers that I personally feel was very, very immature marketing thinking and not logical. I saw people who have good brand and reputations burning their product's credibility to the ground and literally saying to their audience, if you bought this last week, I don't really care. I'm now selling it for 97% off. And I said to myself, in what universe does that make any sense? Now, famously, Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who made the internet, is quoted as saying information wants to be free. And every digital marketer has this tension between the use of strategic free and maintaining the value proposition of your digital items. And I just saw, uh, in my view, I saw several examples where I was like, wow, what are they thinking? Because they are not doing themselves any long-term favors. I just think they're parroting other people's systems or, you know, kind of just copying without logic. 
And so anyway, that was my kind of personal reflection on it. And I was, I was kind of shocked. So what are you guys' thoughts on the digital sellers? Chris, I know you're in the industry. What, what are your thoughts on this whole topic too? I think you're 1,000% right. When you have a digital product, you, you can discount to 99% off and still technically make money or not lose money, right? Like you're not actually buying products and sending them out and having this this loss. But you're right. Like you burn customers who pay full price when you have too good of a deal. There is the the truth that people who pay, pay attention. So if, if you made everything free, it is going to have uh, less impact, uh, than if you actually charge for it. And that, that's a little bit of like a catch 22, which like, like I want to help my customers and if I could help them for free, I would, but if I don't charge, they're not going to do it. So I actually have to charge them so that they do it. So I'm actually helping them. If I charge them, that doesn't make sense, but like it actually does. It's because humans are irrational and you have to understand that. And then you can make rational decisions about when to be irrational. It's a little, another catch 22 in there, but digital product. I think you could maybe Jason, tell me if you agree with this. Because anybody can make and distribute and sell a digital product in 2021 moving forward, it's kind of like the internet will let you play with fire if you want to, right? Mm-hmm. And Amazon's the same way. Look, you can play with fire on Amazon. They're not yeah. going to stop you. But if you get yourself in trouble, you might find out that you really get burned. And if you're a digital marketer and you don't have a true marketing background, if you don't truly understand the, yeah. the motivations of the customer in the digital product space specifically, then you can make big mistakes and have a high value proposition where if it's a $2,000 course that's on sale for $6, I don't think of it as a $2,000 course anymore because you're willing to sell it for six bucks. That's right. right? I think so you're a scammer. It? I think it's a scam. Yeah, I, I totally right. I think that there are economic based principles, first principles that come into play immediately. Tragedy of the commons is a phrase that people can look up. But basically, if you have a low barrier to entry system and many, many people can enter it, then the question is, do they debase the system for, you know, everyone? And and I believe that the pendulum is swinging more and more towards a glut of information marketing products that are being managed by amateur marketers who have gone for the money grab. Now, if they have a long-term strategy, good on them. Great. Like, you know, if you give away one thing because you're building another thing, you know, it's all good. But what my freebie is, if my if my freebie is your two thousand dollar course, you have a big problem. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> unless I don't have another two thousand dollar product. So all of these swirl together into an interesting pie. You know, the 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 bleeding edge of information marketing continues to advance every year, every month, as people try new things. And I do think we're seeing changes in the industry that are interesting to behold. And uh, over time, people will either ruin themselves and their long-term business value, or they'll create long-term business value for their customers and for themselves. And it can be done. Universities have done it for thousands of years. And so I think it's an interesting uh, situation we find ourselves in. Kyle and Chris, uh, or Kyle and Michael, sorry, what are your thoughts on it? I've got a quick one. Just got to confess that it's interesting hearing you talk about that, you know, people just copying other people and there is a great pressure. I mean, I, I've kind yeah. of been looking at other digital information marketers and consultants, whatever, offering me stuff. And I bought one and that's made me think, oh, maybe I should go and discount some courses and, and even discount coaching. And then part of me is just extremely reluctant to do that because I've put time and effort into it, which could be sunk cost or it could be valuable to the consumer. But either way, copying somebody else is not actually a good reason. And part of me is resisting that. So I've got this internal tussle every year when cyber you know black friday cyber monday comes up because my instinct is not to put discounts out there really so it's a very interesting tussle that we all face but i would say 
um it comes down to you know you're the man who normally says this jason branding it, it's really mm -hmm. if you're going to sell something you've got to work incredibly hard to create branding and then you can throw it away very quickly by coming up with ridiculous levels of discount so i think that the, yeah. the solution is you've got to work really really hard to build brand you've got to really work hard to persuade somebody to give you 97 dollars for something else that is not 100 dissimilar to something that's nine dollars yeah but that that work is such a big burden i can understand why we cave in and just put the money down i can see yeah. why we cave but i think it's always a mistake really well i think it was buffett who said but it might not have been him but you know a uh, reputation that's taken you a lifetime to build can be ruined in a moment. Mm -hmm. And really, as information marketers, you, you almost have that, that ability yeah. to literally obliterate your brand or reputation by these kind of silliness, pricing mistakes or, or ideas. So, Kyle, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I would agree with Michael and, and what you were saying as well. I think that the danger with copying anybody, whether it's Black Friday deal, Cyber Monday deal, digital marketing, the challenge when, when you start to just copy and take someone else's thing is you don't know, one, the outcome that they're getting. Are they getting a good outcome at the back end of this deal? Or has it been a terrible thing where they're losing money, right? So you don't have clarity and you don't really have clarity into sort of the back end mechanism that drives profitability. It could be a loss leader for them where they're like, actually, what I'm going to sell you is something totally different. And that's still going to be $10,000 or $5,000 or whatever it is. And you just don't see their full business. So, you know, you, you kind of make, you can't make decisions looking at the the top of the iceberg, right? The tip of the iceberg, because everything else is below the water and it's below the, your line of visibility. So I think that's the big cautionary tale for me with that. And then the second yeah. thing, I think with digital marketing, the people who are going to be making money, I think it's uh, uh, with digital uh, products are the people who can organize information effectively. Because to your point, information does want to be free. And there's a ton of information, both good and bad on any topic on like YouTube. You can get bad advice or you can get really good advice. But I think what people are willing to pay for and what they're willing to spend money on is uh, s someone, a provider who's going to organize that into actionable data and sort of sort through it and be the the better of that, that data. And that has value. And so I think if you're bringing that to any industry, or any product line, that that is tremendously valuable and you shouldn't be disappointed. Wow. Okay. This took a whole turn I wasn't expecting, really. I didn't realize we'd get into deep you know, like a uh, philosophical digital content, some pricing strategies here, but, but the, you know what, the black Friday to cyber Monday marketing that we saw begged the questions. And I think it's good for us to reflect on them. Okay. Let's wrap it up. We're 30 minutes in any other big takeaways for black Friday, cyber Monday, 2021. We want to share with people concluding thoughts. I'll throw this out there as, as a primarily digital and print on demand seller, like Kyle really nailed it. And I think it's important for people to understand, just like you said, information wants to be free. And in general, information is free between Google, Facebook, and YouTube. I don't know anything that's literally not on the internet. Now it might be hard to find, and that's the problem. And that's what people pay for. And Kyle said, organize. He said, vet. I, I would use the word curate to take, you know, an expert can curate and take all this information and kind of whittle it down and say, no, this is what you actually need to know to be educated in, in, in this topic. And that's what people are paying for. Now, if it's a, a one-time digital product. Now, when you go next level and you start getting into $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, all this extra stuff, that's when, in my opinion, you're getting into personalization. If you're going to work with someone one-on-one -on -one who's going to actually address things specific to you. And if that's how everything's going to work, that's going to push prices down on the organization, on the curation products. And good, I, I'm not trying to be too, what the word, what's, I don't know what the word is. 
but you know, pat my own back too much. But I do want information to be free. I want people to have access to good information at the lowest possible price, the easiest possible delivery method, which my Kindle would be my preferred method. I want that to be very inexpensive. And I would put out there, and I don't know if I'll do this in the next year, but to say, look, I really do want to help all you guys. I will make my stuff free one day a year, all of my stuff free. And Hey, if you, if it's the day after the free day, you got to wait, get on the email list and I will email you ahead of, maybe it's going to be my birthday on my birthday. All of my digital stuff is free and I'll show you where it all, like it's, but you know, it's not personalized. You're not getting one-on-one time with me for free, but anything I've put out there, you can have for free. That way I'm not discounting 97% and all this. Because what you're saying is what you're really earning a living off of is the personalized group work or one-on-one coaching or that kind of product, the stuff that's the content is your loss leader, if you will, or, you know, the freemium and you know, the free and your freemium model. And therefore you're just moving what Evan Pagan calls the free line, which in that regard, it's smart <laughs> pricing strategy for digital marketers, but you're a veteran at this, you know? So, but yeah, to make it all free, if you've got to Kyle's point, an iceberg underneath it, <laughs> that is how you actually earn a living and survive. Everyone and needs an good. iceberg underneath so, it. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I, totally I've done agree. this so long. You can't, yep. some people can just take a book and it will change their life and they'll do everything. Most people don't, they might take a few yep. different things, but if they have a coach come in, someone one-on-one, yep. someone who personalizes it for them, that's going to stick. And and a lot of people know that. And that's why a lot of high-end professionals hire coaches. That's why, you know, even LeBron James still has coaches, not just for basketball, but for nutrition and for all kinds of different things. And people need to think about that. But I don't want to be overwhelmed on the, on the digital product side. But when you have, yeah. when you're digital and you have margin, you have things you can play with and you yep. can play with fire and you have to protect your reputation as you experiment going into the future of, of marketing strategies that have never been used before. I encourage yeah. people to try things, um, yeah. but be careful of potentially ruining your, your reputation and the value of your content. Love it. Okay, Kyle and Michael, final thoughts? Wrapping up? If you haven't got all your Black Friday, Cyber Monday shopping done, get out there and do it. <laughs> the deals are still live. <laughs> the deals are still enough. there. You know, so before, before all the stuff is gone with all the supply chain stuff, if it's digital, you still have, you're still in luck. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough to wait for Chris's uh, amazing once a, a, a year deal, uh, sign up for his email list. I'm really tempted by models that actually, I mean, all the things you said, Chris, make 100% sense. And everyone needs an iceberg slash a back end. And that you need to know where your profit's going to be made in your business model. To your point, Kyle, 100%. You can't copy this superficial structure of somebody's marketing without going broke probably but i'm tempted the other way i'm kind of tired of providing a lot of value i think value anyway uh, for free on podcasts i want to start charging for books and the reason why is because i can run paid marketing and the reason for doing that isn't really about profitability at the front end it's a scaling without going crazy so i haven't done it yet we'll see if i get down to it but that's my personal take on i'm kind of tempted to go the opposite direction with price to everyone else i love this this is great insights i will just say as a final takeaway if you're a marketer uh online seller listening to this my best advice for you would be Take out your journal and document everything you did this Black Friday to Cyber Monday or during this, you know, selling season and record the outcomes and take it, you know, just journal it. We've 
tried our best to do that every year for the last 12 years or whatever. And you get cumulative effects when you do that, when you really can remember what exactly did we do last time? How exactly did we set this up? And year over year, you'll have a compounding effect and get better and better at your own use. Loss leaders and freemium stuff and digital goods and inventory on hand and pricing strategies and on and on and on. So hopefully that's a final helpful tip. Gentlemen, as always, it's an honor to collaborate with you. Picking your brain on this stuff is a blast. And uh, thank you, everybody who listens in the call-in show itself. And then for those of you who check us out on the e-commerce leader, you can see all the prior episodes at the ecommerceleader.com. We also have some goodies there free uh, that we'd love to have you check out. And we also love your like or subscription or whatever you can do on your podcast listener product of choice. So there you have it. Thanks, guys. I'll end it here. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.